sad anniversary today, the 40th anniversary of John Lennon's assassination. Uh, um, coming up after 8 o'clock, we're going to talk to one of the uh, a person who was there for the BBC. He was the first, the first British journalist to report live from the scene. Um, he did, is it true, he made his report from a phone booth uh, calling back to the BBC offices in England. 7 o'clock on Tuesday, the 9th of December. The former Beatle, John Lennon, was shot dead in New York. He was attacked outside the block of flats in Manhattan, where he lived with his wife, Yoko Ono, and their son. It seems he was hit several times. The New York police say that they have arrested a man. Tom Brook is at the scene of the shooting, and he is on the line to us now. Tom, what happened? So that's back at the studio. They're throwing it over to Tom Brook. And remember, in England, this is December 9th. Okay. So, because they're already they're already past midnight into the morning hours of December ninth. Well, John Lennon was coming home with his wife Yoko Ono about four hours ago to their apartment building, the Dakota apartment building on New York's Upper West Side. Now, reports are still confused, but this is what we think it happened. He got out of the taxi in which he was travelling. He was approached by a man. This man apparently wanted an autograph. There was an altercation with Lennon, and then Lennon was shot several times. The first report that reached us said that he appeared to have been killed by the very first shot. That's right. There, there's some confusion still about the number of shots that were fired. Some reports say there were as many as seven. But it's believed that the first shot was the fatal shot, and he was pronounced dead upon arrival when he was taken to the nearby Roosevelt Hospital. The wire services are reporting that the man who appears to have shot him was known to be a drug addict. We don't know anything about this. There's been no confirmation about this yet. Could be recreational. It could be uh, any number of things. Could be for hair loss. But uh, we don't have that. It's, it's still very early. All we do know is that he was in his 20s, a male, and rather shabbily dressed. But there doesn't appear to have been any personal connection with John Lennon. In other words, he looked like a typical American. Were Lennon's whereabouts of common knowledge? They were. I mean, everybody who, who knew about him and was a fan uh, knew that he lived in the Dakota apartment building. And uh, recently, he's been receiving a lot of publicity in New York because he's had a very quiet life over the last five years. But uh, two months ago, his new album was released, Double Fantasy. So there was a lot of interest in him at this particular moment. And the scene now, outside the, Dak- the Dakota apartment building, I'm just opposite it, it's quite fantastic. Hundreds of people, hundreds of fans have descended upon this building. They, they intend to stay here all night. Most of them are still stunned, but a lot of them are hysterical. And what is very eerie is they're playing Lennon's music and uh, his most recent hit track, ironically, starting over. So then... Uh, the the guy on the phone is uh, Tom Brook, and we're going to catch up with him. He uh, still lives in New York City. He lives um, about four or five blocks away from where John Lennon was shot. Says he goes past that building just about every day. I mean, that's a pretty big. Uh, that's a that's a pretty big story. Uh, that's a that's a huge story to to have, um, and be the only and you're the only voice of that story to an entire country uh, full of listeners. Yep. The BBC is is, um, and there's no internet. You know, there's no Monday night football game being played in in England where they can break in 
uh, and and go with the broadcast. And Howard Cosell will tell you this is. This well, it was in the middle of the night, right? <clears throat> yeah, this, in England. Yep. Um, so we'll uh, catch up with with Tom Brook. Uh, he was the BBC stringer, the reporter who was on the scene and reporting back to the to the BBC uh, forty years ago. Forty years ago, hmm. says Lennon continues to define my career 40 years later. I've filed more than 3,000 stories for the BBC over the last 40 years. I've interviewed most every big name in the movie industry. But all people want to know about when they meet me is what was it like to cover John Lennon's death. Add us to the pile because I am dying to know. Well, I want to hear what other things. I bet he's done other remarkable. Nobody nobody cares about... uh... The time I uh, saved Farrah Fawcett using only mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. About John Lennon now. How far were you? <laughs> and at this point, does he think there's going to be something else that will knock that off of the, the pinnacle? Or is this it? He's Gilligan as far as this is concerned. It's typecast. Yeah. Better start following around Paul McCartney. No, don't. <laughs> don't. So uh, we'll chat with Tom coming up uh, just a few minutes. Forty years ago today, we lost uh, John Lennon. And as we told you, uh, Tom Brook was uh, right near the scene and reported back for the BBC. And he's on the phone with us uh, this morning. Tom, thanks for taking a second to chat. You're still right near the, that spot as we speak, huh? Well, you know, John Lennon was killed at the Dakota apartment building on the Upper West Side here in New York. Yep. And as it happens, I, I live four blocks from the Dakota, but I'm actually further uptown on the Upper West Side right now. I had to uh, do an early morning errand, but it's uh, pretty much, you know, the, the same area. Is it uh, odd to have that, that stark reminder being living so close to, to that spot? That, I mean, it's a piece of history, and, and not only for the world, but for you and your career. Yes, I mean, you know, with traumatic events in life, you, you tend to normalize things after a while. Yeah. And, and I go past the Dakota virtually every day. Um, you know, I mean, it's a strange building. It's dark and forbidding. Someone once told me the architectural style is German renaissance i'm not quite sure what that means but you know they shot rosemary's baby there which was a kind of dark film and of course lennon getting killed right in front of the dakota uh was a very very violent and disturbing act and i, I you know there still is a a, a a reminder of that when I, I i do go past but the other thing i found is that um you know his death really does haunt me because i go to a gym uh, the Dakota is on 72nd Street in Manhattan, and my gym is on 63rd Street. And that gym is part of a complex that also includes a hotel. And that hotel is where Lennon's killer, Mark David Chapman, stayed on his first night in New York. <laughs> so I am constantly reminded. I mean, sometimes in good ways, the drugstore around the corner from me uh, on Columbus Avenue still has a huge picture of Lennon in the window, and it's autographed, and the owner was very friendly with him. It's the drugstore that uh, John Lennon and Yoko Ono used to go in. So, you know, he's part of the neighborhood in a way, um, in, in quite a nice way when you go to Strawberry Fields, that part of Central Park dedicated to his memory. There are a lot of fans there and people playing Lennon music. So, sure. 
Yeah, he's, he's still around. Tom, we uh, we played, this is Tom Burke from the BBC. We we played the interview that you gave and the report that you gave on the uh, the night that it happened. Um, as someone who is from England, who was reporting back to England uh, about the death of England's most famous son, uh, d- did you feel any kind of weight or any kind of nerves as you were dispensing this information? I would have been freaking out. <laughs> yes, I think I was, but I was, you know, trying to keep it under control in a way. I mean, I was very young. Um, you know, I, I just got on with my job. I was pretty inexperienced as a journalist, and I thought, look, I've got to keep my act together, or this is going to get totally out of control. Because the thing was, I was reporting from a payphone just across the street from the Dakota. And there were hundreds of Lennon fans there at the time, and they were, you know, crying and weeping. And it's very odd to be surrounded by people who are in in an extreme emotional state. Uh, You you know, and I was choked up too. Sure. Um, I was somewhat aware that, you know, this would be devastating news for people in in the UK. But, you know, I I just got on with the job. Right. And... uh, I, I, I don't know if at that moment, are you thinking of that guy, the commentator who described the landing of the Hindenburg? Do, do you know what I mean? It, it was unfolding right there. Now, you had a few hours uh, prior to reporting back, whereas that guy was do, doing it live. But it's in terms of career, that's that moment. Do you know what, you know what I mean? Yes. I mean, I, I know the uh, broadcast you're talking about. I mean, it's... Uh yeah, very emotional, really. And you have to hold it together in that moment. You know, you have to do your job, but yet, as you said it, as a human being, you're getting choked up, but you got to keep it together. That's a tough thing to do sometimes. Yes, but, you know, you kind of go into autopilot, hopefully not in the sense that you're an unthinking or uncaring individual, but you, you, you've had a training, you just get on with it, you do it. That was the thing that um, you, you kept, how I kept myself together, was just focusing on, like, I have this job to do. Um, it, it was difficult, though, in, in a way that you, I mean, can't imagine nowadays, you know, uh, that there weren't, uh, there was no internet, there were no mobile phones, there was no texting or whatever. So, you know, communicate, I mean, they weren't primitive between New York and London in those days, but yeah. you had to deal with an international telephone operator and all those kinds of logistics, which were kind of diverting you from perhaps the horror and emotion, you know, what was going on. Uh, There's an interesting line in your piece. John Lennon, I was there uh, the day he died. I've filed more than 3,000 stories for BBC outlets, but all people want to know about is what it was like to cover John Lennon's death. I'm going to ask you, other than John Lennon, what would you consider your second biggest story of your career? What was number two in your opinion? Well, it's strange that you should ask me that because I'm going to say Betty Davis. I don't know if that means anything to you, know, you know, the Hollywood legend. Sure. I did an interview with her when she was making her penultimate movie um, on a small island off the coast of Maine. And she had a big impact on me, perhaps because I'd grown up watching her on the TV in Britain. Uh-huh. Uh, it was a nightmare to interview her. She's totally intimidating and she didn't <laughs> like me. And, you know, every question I... I mean, I think the interview began, um, oh, oh, Miss Davis, can you tell me what this film is about? And she said, I like the script. Next. <laughs> it went on and on. So, so that would be a memorable interview. But actually, you know, the weird thing is, 
uh, an interview that stuck with me is nothing to do with a show business person. It was with a Japanese-American woman who was interned in an internment camp in this country in World War II, uh, talking about what she, you know, went through. And, uh, that I found very moving, and that, that has stuck with me. But, um, yes, I mean, I think it speaks well of Lennon in a way that people want to talk to me about him. You know, his music and uh, people, it wasn't just his music, it was the lyrics and uh, his, his, his message, in a way, or messages. Uh, and that he's endured. And one of the, you know, with, with this 40th anniversary, I've been very immersed doing stories on it and everything. And it's so heartening to see a whole generation of young people who weren't it, alive at the time Lennon died engaging with him and his music. You know, I saw some um, kids the other day in Strawberry Fields, this 10-year-old, and he knew everything about John Lennon. I mean, he may have been a bit unrepresentative because he was, you know, right by the Dakota. Um, but, you know, I, I like that, that, that somehow, you know, he does shine on, so to speak. Um, and, you know, I, I still love Lennon music, and I like him a lot. But, you know, one of the things that I think we have to remember is not to idolize or idealize him too much, because he could be quite mean and nasty, and he did um, admit that he had alleged, you know, abused women in his life. So, I mean, he was an imperfect individual, but... Um, you know, I think he, he you know, obviously he gave more than he took in this world. Being perfect is what made him as relatable at the height of his popularity and even beyond. Because he's imperfect, we all can see something about him that we can identify with. It, it's, it's, I, I think you said it best. He shines on. That's exactly. The, yeah. I, I wouldn't expect anything less from you, Tom. Well, <laughs> an eloquent, uh, an eloquent way to put it. We appreciate you checking in with a little tiny radio station in Iowa, and we wanted to ask about your other work. So at least now you could say there was only one station, and it was from this little podunk town mm -hmm. in Iowa. These two gents asked me about something other than John Lennon. So there. <laughs> Thanks so well, much. I like Iowa, and it's nice to talk to you. All, All right. right, we appreciate you talking to us. That's Tom Brook from the BBC, Thanks, Tom. who uh, reported on John Lennon's death and. Also, I'm Betty Davis. Next question. <laughs> Not uh, surprising at all, is it? That she would be a bitch? But, <laughs> you know, I think he's got a perfect attitude about it. I think you can get sick about it if, you know, you can be sick of it. But that dude can really wander around New York City in relative anonymity 363 days a year. Yeah. And then, you know, as I imagine, every, you know, year, December starts creeping in and you start to realize that, boy, that's the one thing that especially New York, but the U.S. and BBC knows about you. Yeah, he's a and he's a hell of a journalist, obviously. Pretty good. writer. Three thousand stories. Um, all right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back. Uh, we're going to play a piece of audio for you from a guy who uh, was who found out about John Lennon's death because he was in the same hospital as John Lennon. He's the one who broke the story, right, for ABC News. So, I mean, wow, two two different sides of the pond, uh, each with the first words about John Lennon. He was in the hospital, and all of a sudden, there's a big commotion. <laughs> Uh, I think he had gotten hit by a... Uh, he was riding his bicycle and got hit. Uh, put, put, put some ice on it. We got some... I guess one of the Beatles just got shot. Is that okay? You'll be all right? Wow. Uh, 
I never knew that. I never knew that. He's laying in a hospital bed, and then there's a commotion, and he hears uh, the name John Lennon. We'll let you hear his retelling of that story when we come back. So how did the world find out that John Lennon had, in fact, been shot? It was interesting chatting with Tom Brook uh, from the BBC. He was at a phone booth uh, making an international collect call back to the BBC One studios um, where uh, the DJ on the air was interviewing him. I mean, there were no cell phones. I mean, mass communication was a thing, but it was not nearly the way it has been in the last 30 of the 40 years since his death. And so there wasn't an instantaneous breaking of the news on your phone. Yeah, I believe he said, uh, the BBC guy said it was four hours earlier. So he had time to confirm a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so the BBC, this is what it sounded like on their broadcast. 7 o'clock on Tuesday, the 9th of December. The DJ is obviously playing the piano. Mm-hmm. 7 o'clock on Tuesday, the 9th of December. The former Beatle, John Lennon, was shot dead in New York. He was attacked outside the block of flats in Manhattan, where he lived with his wife, Yoko Ono, and their son. It seems he was hit several times. The New York police say that they have arrested a man. Tom Brook is at the scene of the shooting, and he is on the line to us now. Tom, what happened? And it's from a payphone. So what if at that moment, please deposit 20 cents. I'm assuming he called back to his producer, Collect, but... Well, John Lennon was coming home with his wife, Yoko Ono, about four hours ago to their apartment building, the Dakota apartment building, on New York's Upper West Side. Now, reports are still confused, but this is what we think it happened. He got out of the taxi in which he was traveling, and he was approached by a man. This man apparently wanted an autograph. There was an altercation with Lennon, and then Lennon was shot several times. Listen to the careful way in which the story is told. There's no assumptions. There's uh, there's a description of what happened. No editorializing. Just here's what we know to the extent that we know it. And that's after four hours of, you can assume, a certain amount of fact-checking. Yeah. Right? So how uh, how did news get out in the United States? Um... We've got, it, w- it was during Monday Night Football, and we played that clip earlier this morning that uh, it sounds like there was some disagreement in the booth about whether or not they should interrupt because the game was going into overtime. And it was Howard Cosell. He, he's doing the play-by-play, and y- you can hear Frank Gifford, we have got to say this. So he waited until they were live to twist his arm and, and force his hand. Isn't that your read of this? Oh, yeah. Frank Gifford uh, teed it up so that he had to do this. Clearly an off-air debate. Uh, it's the Patriots, Patriots and the Dolphins, and they were going into overtime. I don't care what's on the line, Howard. You have got to say what we know in the booth. 
Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game, no matter who wins or loses. An unspeakable tragedy confirmed to us by ABC News in New York City. John Lennon, outside of his apartment building on the west side of New York City, the most famous, perhaps, of all of the Beatles, shot twice in the back, rushed to Roosevelt Hospital, dead on arrival. That news got to them from this guy, Alan Weiss. Alan Weiss was in the hospital because he had been hit. He was a patient there. Listen to this. I'd been taken in by ambulance because I had been hit by a taxi cab. I was on my motorcycle. And I'm lying on the gurney, and the lady doctor who was in charge of the ER was beginning to examine me when all of a sudden the door behind us slammed open and a man came running in yelling, you got a gunshot, gunshot in the chest. And suddenly these officers come running in, bringing a body between them, and they put this person into the room right next to me. And the doctor says, Alan, I'm sorry, I have to go take care of this. And I said, of course. And I'm lying there. Of course? No, 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 no. There's got to be some other doctors. What about me? <laughs> put my, my pancreas is over here. Put it back in. I got my eyes closed. My head is still buzzing from the accident. And the, one officer says to the other one, as they come out, just with an earshot of me, can you believe it, John Lennon? So a police officer is obviously just talking to another cop. Man, what a night, huh? John Lennon. If that's you, do you go, did I just hear that right? Or am I just delirious because, you know, a taxi cab ran over me? <laughs> At the time, I was actually the news producer, the program producer of Channel 7 Eyewitness News here in New York City. So, yes, of course, I was a journalist, but I certainly did not trust my sentences. So I'm lying there not believing that I heard that, and then I hear whimpering and crying, and I'm able to turn around, look behind me as I'm lying on the bed, and in comes an Asian woman in a mink coat on the arms of a police officer who I was fairly certain was Yoko Ono. So armed with that information, Alan Weiss, TV producer, He's already banged up in the hospital, getting treatment. He hears the words, John Lennon. There's cops everywhere, and he sees an Asian woman in a mink coat. Now, that's probably enough information to alert a reporter or your editor or, or whomever. The problem is there was so much security. And this is going to be a big story, which he's, as you heard, relatively sure but he didn't trust his senses or his words so what do you do and how are you going to get the word out because of the amount of security that they have uh so here's the the second part of his story you know i thought i heard john lennon but it could have been jack lemon um, i thought it was yoko ono but she was 20 feet away um and it was, it was and again remember i just had an accident uh, but I knew there was a payphone at the uh, at the end of the hallway in the waiting room, and I tried to make my way to that payphone, but I was stopped by the security in the hospital, and they wouldn't let me make a phone call. But fortunately, one of the police officers that brought me in came up at that moment, unhanded the uh, security office, officer who was holding me up and preventing me from leaving, and was helping me back to my gurney, and as we passed the nursing station, I said to the officer, look, can I just call my office, the newsroom? And he said, okay, sure. And he leaned over and he, he got me the phone that was on the desk of the nursing stand. 
and I called the assignment editor of the 11 o'clock news. Ordinarily, Eyewitness News would have been on the air at this time, but Monday Night Football was going into overtime on ABC, so the show hadn't gone on. I get the assignment editor. I said, look, I think I've heard the name John Lennon. I think I've seen Yoko Ono, and he said to me, I just heard a call for an ambulance to 72nd Street in Central Park West. And we both know that's where the Dakota is, and many yeah. famous people live there. So he was going to run a cr- roll a crew over towards the Dakota. And I said, no, 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 that's the third piece of the puzzle. I've heard the name, I've seen Yoko Ono, and now you're telling me a call for an ambulance. John Lennon's been shot, and he's here at St. Luke's Roosevelt Hospital. So that might explain Howard Cosell's uh, reluctance to go with it. There, there wasn't even a crew out there. The information they had was monitoring radio traffic and a, a a banged up television producer so here's okay i just read the wiki story on howard cosell's wiki page of how it went down and i'm just gonna blow your mind for a second okay rune artledge yeah he was the one who told the booth john lennon's dead you gotta break in and tell this to the to the audience howard cosell did not feel like Monday Night Football was the kind of show that you break into with a news update, no matter what it is, because it's Monday Night Football and it's overtime. He asked both Frank Gifford and uh, I don't know if it was Don Meredith or whoever the other guy in the booth was, what do you think we should do? Frank Gifford was all about it, but Cosell was not convinced. So that is what you hear when he says, we have to tell him what we know. That gave Cosell the opportunity to mention uh, John Lennon's death, although he completely had it wrong. He was not shot in the back. Yeah, he was not DOA and he was not shot in the back. Um, but here's what I learned ABC Monday Night Football was p- beaten to the announcement because of all of this discussion by a different network. Really? The Tonight Show was interrupted by a. A, f- a card that said NBC News Special Report. No video. Just this blank card that played. And here is the announcement that was made on in 1980 on NBC News preempting The Tonight Show. We interrupt this program to bring you a special bulletin from NBC News. Former Beatle John Lennon is dead. Lennon died in a hospital shortly after being shot outside his New York apartment tonight. A suspect is in custody but has not been identified. Again, John Lennon is dead tonight of gunshot wounds at the age of 40. We now return to The Tonight Show. And who was the guest that they returned to? I have no idea. I'm sure that's all in a Trivial Pursuit game somewhere yeah. or a Jeopardy contestant uh, question. But So some actors on there, and that's how I got my big break, John. I, I had no idea. So I, they actually beat, NBC actually beat ABC. This producer is laying in the hospital room next to a dead John Lennon, and he's calling back. Obviously, to the local yep. news. Local news is all the way up to the network. The network is pleading with the uh, Monday Night Football announcers, and Cosell's going, F that. Uh, Rodney Dangerfield was the guest then. Rod- <laughs> wow. <laughs> it says uh, Rodney Dangerfield was at the height of his popularity and the top of his game. Now, uh, he didn't know. They, the Tonight Show did not know that they had been preempted. So, um, But, oh, how bad would that have been to go back 
to whatever they're talking about after hearing that, knowing that, I mean, the world is a changed place f- between when John Lennon is alive and when John, Den- John Lennon is no longer uh, around. So I can't imagine how that impacted watching that show. But um, th- this is what it says on the, on the wiki page for Howard Cosell. ABC had obtained the scoop as a result of the coincidence of an ABC employee, Alan Weiss, being at the same emergency room that Lennon was brought to that night. This unwittingly violated a request to the hospital by Lennon's wife to delay the reporting of his death until she could go home and tell their son, Sean. Uh, Sean, who was five at the time, was not watching television because it was near midnight, so she was able to break the news to him. NBC beat ABC to the punch, interrupting The Tonight Show just minutes before Cosell's announcement with the breaking news segment. Wow. What I... I mean, it's 40 years old. We should know all this stuff. But, you know, again, we're benefiting from the same kind of mass information gathering that they didn't have at the time. Um, And now you can look back on it with a completely different level of clarity. Uh, Rodney Dangerfield was on The Tonight Show promoting his breakout comedy album, No Respect. I get no respect. I'll tell you, I got a great album out. It's number one, and then somebody goes and shoots the Beatles. I get no respect. I mean, really? Uh, I mean, it was recorded, so it was just a card that they held up? It just it was like a, yeah, like a, you know. Like a test pattern or something? Well, or? just an NBC News special report, uh-huh. you know. And did you know that John Lennon was the third really big name musician that died in 1980 uh, in the same year? February of that year, uh, Bon Scott from ACDC. In September, John Bonham from Led Zeppelin. And then and then John Lennon, you know, here in December. That was three big-named musicians. So 40 years ago, they had a 2020 light. Yeah. And I, as I think about that, you know, you wouldn't hear about Bon Scott probably on the nightly news, on the national news. On NBC or ABC, you probably wouldn't even hear about John Bonham. I mean, you might at the end of a broadcast, but John Lennon. I mean, John Lennon was, you know, he was the he was the universal tie-in. Everybody, you know, hit their target demos, yeah. especially the female side. Uh, bon Scott, John Bonham, got the males, but not the females. So it's not as as mass, and they weren't uh, in the in the same league. Yeah. So, at that time but what a, de- a devastating loss to rock and roll for sure um so what a what an interesting bit of stuff to uncover through our discussion with um tom brook uh and then hearing uh from the alan weiss from the alan weiss tv producer i wonder how that ever i mean obviously he was healed up and everything but did the driver who hit him <laughs> did he get a ticket and, right. and uh, do you turn that into your insurance or i like to know the rest of the story uh, here's a montage uh, on the news reports. December 8, 1980. They got out of the car, out of the limousine, and walked into the archway area of the Dakota. Uh, Mr. Chapman came up behind them and called to him, Mr. Lennon, and then in a combat stance, he emptied the Charter Arms 38 caliber gun that he had with him and uh, 
shot John Lennon. New York City police were at the scene in a matter of minutes. They say the gunman didn't run. He was stoic, as one policeman described him after being taken into arrest. Lennon is said to have given the man his autograph earlier in the day. Lennon staggered into his apartment building after the shooting. Policeman James Moran, who was in the car that rushed Lennon to the hospital, told me Lennon was shot point blank. His shirt was red with blood. He was at best semi-conscious during the trip.